Wedgwood Christian Services is a place where hope and healing meet. As you navigate life's challenges, know that you are not alone. Hi, I'm Hilary Kirkendall, Marketing and Communications Coordinator for Wedgwood Christian Services, and these are the stories of real people who work at, learn from, and grow through the nationally accredited, faith-based nonprofit. These are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations. Pastor Arlen is a longtime Wedgwood employee and arguably one of the agency's most joyful staff members. He and I talked how God's work has been evident over the years and how through chaplaincy and diversity initiatives, youth and staff alike are empowered to love themselves and others well. All right, so we'll start with, um, can you give us your name and your title? Okay, my name is Arlen Palmer and I'm a chaplain and diversity coordinator for Wedgwood. Uh, So what does your job entail? Wow, that's a big question. I've been at Wedgwood for 35 years, and so I've done a lot of things at Wedgwood would help me help me do my job that I'm doing now. So right now as a chaplain, I offer chaplaincy services to the whole agency. Uh, I have three residential homes that I'm responsible for, but also we do worship services with the kids, support services for the kids, also a lot of services and connections with our staff, and also I'm working a lot with our community programs uh, for our SUD program and also for our community mental health program. Uh, Those are a lot of things that I am doing right now, but also another one of my jobs that Wedgwood helps me do is my neighborhood chaplaincy work that uh, a local church contracts as Wedgwood for me to do chaplaincy, Eastern Avenue Christian Reformed Church. So that's also a part of my work. Wonderful. And when did you first know you wanted to be involved in chaplaincy and chaplain tech work and be a pastor? Wow. Um, I came to Grand Rapids in 1986. And I knew that the Lord was calling me into the ministry. But I wasn't sure that I was going to be a chaplain just yet. But when I got into child care work and as I'm working with kids and with my story and my background of not having a father around, I really began to have a heart for kids and wanting to minister to kids in chaplaincy. And so when I came to Grand Rapids in 1986, I got a job here just for work. I didn't come here to stay for forever. Look, (laughs) right. Um, But uh, I really began, God worked on my heart, and I became the second chaplain for Wedgwood uh, because I realized that God had given me the gifts to walk alongside people who are hurting, people that that are displaced, people that folks sometimes don't want to be around. And so that really has given me a heart. It has fulfilled part of my mission to be a chaplain at Wedgwood. That's wonderful. Um, your laugh makes everyone around you smile. It's very, one of our very favorite things about you, Pastor Arlen. Does anyone else in your family have a laugh like that? Yes, yes. Uh, my oldest brother, Boris, who I was just on the phone with on my way here. Uh, we, I'm from a family of eight, right? And so we, we family members, we talk about who is the loudest in the family. So I believe that, that we're going on the record because it's on video and my sister, Diane, is just going to cringe. But Morris is first, Diane is second, and I am the third loudest. And then I I think my niece Chandra Ray is in there with my late brother Gary and so but yes uh, my, 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 my oldest brother last my brother Lester some people say that we are a lot alike and, and our laugh is very similar so yeah we come from a family we brothers we like to we like to have fun and joke around and and enjoy life because life can be hard sometimes but we find joy that God has given to us in it oh that's beautiful and so uh, how has you said you've been at Wedgwood for 
30, many years. Yeah, many years. Yes. How has your role changed in those years? Well, I started out as a U treatment specialist. Um, so I understand the groundwork and the heart of, of what kids people do in residential. But then I moved up into doing community work as far as uh, being a worker to, for our independent living kids and, and supervising our independent living program. I was a chaplain for our foster care department when we had a foster care department. Um, I also was part of our youth empowerment services when we worked with our juvenile, just, ju juvenile justice system to find mentors for our kids in the juvenile justice uh, of our county. So you can see that as I, the Lord just continues to change things as, as what I'm doing, um, the agency allowed me to be a chaplain for Eastern Avenue Christian Reformed Church because one of my hearts and passions is for the inner city. You know, working for kids and doing prevention work and hoping that we can help kids and families not get to the point that they need residential, being more holistic and out there in the community. Um, and then later on, the Lord brought me into being a diversity coordinator. I never wanted to be a diversity coordinator, but uh, the Lord knows that I have a passion for his people and for his kingdom and showing love to everyone that I come in contact with. So my diversity coordinator job helps me do that whole thing. And again, that fits within my chaplaincy work. Uh, as a chaplain and also for our ministry here at Wedgwood. Beautiful. So as the, have, how have you seen the needs of the families and kids that Wedgwood serves change as your role has changed? Yeah, you know, um, when you think you've seen it all, you haven't. Uh, when you think things are getting better, they haven't over the past 35 years. Matter of fact, things are getting harder. A lot of the kids that we are working with have a lot of mental health issues, but yet we have learned to equip ourselves and find the resources so that we can help our kids that have mental health services. Um, we the the the. The need for our community has expanded, so we've had to do things on the outside and networking with our communities and also different communities around the state um, because I think the state has changed. And so the state says, hey, we want kids more not in residential but outside residential, working within the home. So we've, we are morphing and still changing, trying to figure out the needs and how we fit in. We will never lose the need, I believe, for residential because I've seen it cycle. I've seen it go one way and see it go the other. There's always going to have to be a balance because we will always need uh, residential, but also we have to continue to expand uh, and work in the community and working with families in the home. But that has made our work hard for, for our workers and, and for our staff, but our staff are called to it, and I think we are rising to the occasion. Mm -hmm. What do you think most people would be surprised to know about the kids in Wedgwood's care? Oh, wow. Um, you know... Uh, Kids can teach you, I believe, a lot about God and God's love. Um, they would be surprised to know that these kids are so accepting. They, they, they have been so wounded, but they are looking for love, and they will show you that love and show you that respect, and you're just surprised. Uh, that they can still trust you and that they can still talk to you even though that they've been neglected or abused or like even as a male when I'm working with a female, uh, one of my female units that I have. Um, you know, I say, you know, I, I know that some of them have had a bad, a bad impact in, in a male in their life, but, the, but they are looking for positive maleness. So what surprises you, even though that they've been hurt, they show you that they have a need and that they can still love and that they can still care. Is there a kid in particular that their story has stuck with you? 
oh, you know I've been around for 35 years, <laughs> and, and I'm, I've also been a foster parent for Wedgwood and, and did and have had 40 kids at my home and I, that, that have come from residential into my home. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and looking at, you know, that prolonged thing after care, what happens with our kids, and, and so I was part of providing part of that. Um, but I tell you, I, I ran into one of my residential kids that, that came from Wedgwood from many years ago when we had a campus in Wyoming. And he came into my home and as a foster, as a foster son. And one of the things he said to me once, he asked me, he said, Arlen, um, when did you adopt me? I said, well, Dad, we never went through the adoption process, but you treated me like your own kid. I said, well, as a foster parent, that is my job, is to make sure that when you're there, I treat you as if you're my own kid. And that's what these kids want. They want realness. They want people that truly care about them. And that's just a blessing um, that, uh, that I've had over the years. And, and I'm just, like I said, I just saw him just, just yesterday when I was jogging outside and he stopped me. Oh, that's great. Do you keep in contact with many of the kids that you've... If they wanted? want to keep in contact with me, because a long thing I've learned as a foster parent, I, I always told my kids as a foster parent, you have control of this relationship. If you want me to contact you, then let me know. If you want your space, not. So uh, it all depends on the year that you hit me. There's some years it's like, okay, man, I need a break right now. Um, but uh, a lot of them will call me up. They'll call me up, say, well, sometimes because they, they have a need, and that's okay, because I want to be there for that. But then I'm also teaching them, okay, you have a need. Let's make sure that, that we can take care of this need, and then what will you do in the future? Um, and then I have another kid, that, that the foster kid, that says, hey, you know, um, they've had kids, and so now I'm a foster granddad. Oh, and so I had to take one just about a month or so ago. He said, Dad, I know you, you might, he calls me, he calls me Papa. Yeah, I know, I know you might be busy, but we need a ride to go to this, this pool party for one of his other kids. And so, and so I did. So, so that's a blessing to be able to do that and still have contact with some of the kids that came from residential that I had as a foster parent. So as a chaplain and a pastor, I assume mm -hmm. faith is a big part of your life. How is it integrated with your work here at Wedgwood? Oh, well, you know, there's no way that I, I can separate myself from being a chaplain, separate myself from being a believer in all the work that I do. Um, you know, uh, my brother and I were talking about it that... God's best requires my best. So these kids are going to see that since Christ went to the cross and gave his best, you know, for our sins, I said, and as I'm serving these kids, they and my staff, they deserve my best. Not that I, I'm, I'm human and not that I do it perfectly all the time. And if I make mistakes, I'll, I'll admit them. <laughs> Reluctantly, sometimes I'll admit them. But, uh, but saying I want to give my best. Um, I want to walk in love and the love of Christ and that is accepting everybody for who they are and where they are despite my beliefs despite some of my things and hangs up with the theology the kids and people that you work with aren't concerned about that uh, they, they, they say people uh, uh, there's a quote I think from from um, uh, that, that I love to hear and that is people will always remember how you make them feel. How will I make them feel as a believer? Will, when they come in contact with me, will they know that they've been in contact with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Where I'm going to love them, I'm not going to be judgmental, but I'm also going to be very honest and, and also encourage them in a gentle way of being accountability. So it, it is woven within everything that, everything that I do has an impact for Christ, whether that's paperwork or working with our kids. What a beautiful perspective to have, Pastor Arlen. Um, so at Wedgwood, the chaplaincy 
activities are optional for the kids mm -hmm. in our care, but a lot of them seem to participate. And what is some of the benefits and maybe some of the changes you've seen in kids once they start getting involved in things like worship services and Bible studies and Young Life Club? Okay, wow. Uh, it has, this has been, I think, for me, even though COVID was a rough year, it was, I think, a, a banner year for our chaplaincy department because we, because we were in lockdown, so to speak, and our kids could not go anywhere, we had to ramp up our ministry in the sense of supporting our staff and supporting our kids. You know, we, because of COVID, we ran a lot of extra groups. Uh, we, we had to we had to hold off on worship for a little bit because the kids couldn't get together for big groups of worship, but yet we were still able to do devotions, you know, different things on the unit or every activity that we would do, uh, you know, that we had, we had, we had theme words. One, you know, you are light of the world, you know, uh, you know, you are the harvest. You know, we had different themes that we would focus on and teach the kids in, in, in individual homes. And a lot of times kids will want to, they want to say, well, uh, can I do this? They want to, the way to get them also involved in worship is to get them, uh, help them feel included and feeling apart. You know, we just had a worship service just yesterday. And, uh, you know, and our, 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 our theme yesterday was, um, you are the salt of the earth. And we had a wonderful video and we also had, had a thing where, you know, we had time where, okay, when a time of confession and then we had a, a time of, of, of learning and growth. And then how I challenged them, how can you be salt? this week and when I do messages I always make sure the kids are engaged in my messages and and say okay now here's the thing but what do you guys know about salt and then of course you tie that in the thing is kids are feeling included they feel important being in worship and I tell you what one of the key things that get these kids uh, when I go on the unit some kids are leading devotions they're reading their own devotions and I'm listening I'm just and then I'm there just for support um, as they lead and so it's just amazing depending on where they are some kids you know you know worship is voluntary uh, services are voluntary but yet uh, we make it so just like young life that they want to be there because uh, other kids will tell them hey you missed it hey Hey, Pastor Arlen did this with group, and so you missed it today. So if we can make uh, one of the one of the philosophies of young life is it's a sin to bore kids with the gospel. Having life in Christ is joyful. So we want to teach that about the kids and allow the kids to be a part of our, our worship and our activities that we do. Very cool. Very cool. So the other part of your position is diversity coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you see diversity, equity, and inclusion lived out? here at Wedgwood? Well, I have seen it lived out in so many different ways. Uh, and my thing, my job as a diversity coordinator is to empower others to do diversity. Uh, I, I empower, empower our kids because I do a lot of diversity workshops with our kids even. Okay, how do we treat each other? What words do we use and what words do we not use? You know, I believe we are image bearers of Christ. And so if you're created in God's image and each person is created special, then how should, can we treat each other as if we're special? Um, and I also encourage our staff to do that same thing. Um, and we got a lot of kids from all walks of life, whether that be the LGBTQ, 
uh, whether that be racial, whether that be kids that, that are nonverbal and who cannot speak. You know, when I go to our Vanderark A and our Vanderark B homes, which is our developmentally delayed homes, um, those kids want to, they not only do they want to feel special, but how do we communicate with them? And how, do, how does our staff have to prepare to meet those kids' needs and also meet the needs of the family? I also work with our, our, our Center for Autism. And, and with diversity, because we have people that are on our diversity committee there, uh, working with them. Okay, those kids come from young, but from many different backgrounds. I, we talk about well, how how do these kids? How do you take care of your hair? How do you? What do you? What are you eating? What are the good foods? So then, when we talk about diversity inclusion, we talk about not only meeting needs. Do kids and our families have a voice in the treatment of our care here? And we are practicing and doing, doing our best to be very inclusive and including kids in our care and also including kids in our treatment here at Wedgwood. Wonderful. And I know diversity is one of Wedgwood's core values. Mm -hmm. And so how long has this been a part of the conversation and how long have you been a part of the conversation okay. here at Wedgwood? Well, I started 35 years ago and that was a major part of the conversation. I mean, they, we had our cross-cultural committee and that is meeting the needs. And so that's been a big passion. But in the 90s, we really focused on, okay, um, what can we do with diversity? What can, how can we not hurt people's feelings and not, you know, because we, 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 we have our issues for the healing of racism. Now it's called facing racism because issues of racism continue to entangle our, our communities and entangle our, our world and our earth. But how can we treat each other with that? Also, uh, how do we interact with one another? So that's been a, a hard passion. So um, I, I do our diversity awareness training. Every staff member has to take diversity 101. Um, and then we also are working on a training for, for inclusion and also working on a training, how do we take care of our, our, our clientele uh, of, different, of different facets of diversity? So <clears throat> I believe in the 90s, we have really uh, hone tone and fine tuned it, but now we're even going to ramp it up and try even do even more uh, with it. Wonderful. So I know you do a lot here at mm -hmm. Wedgwood to help the kids feel included and loved and to empower staff to do their jobs well. So this might be a little bit of a big question, but okay. how do you see God working at Wedgwood? Oh, that's not a that's not a big question. <laughs> I you know what? Uh, I don't know why God surprises me, but he he surprises me. He surprises me in the big things. He surprises me in the little things. When uh, even when I see a kid smile on their face and I can say their name or they know they know my name and then they'll introduce me as a pastor to somebody else because they they respect uh, my role. I had a, I had a young man once. In uh, one of our homes, when I would come on, and, uh, he goes, "Well, I don't want to hear about God. I don't want to know about God." Okay, well, that's that's all right. Uh, that that's your, that's your choice. But when you just be who you are, and just love on them, and then meet them where they're at and what they have, before he left, he. He had softened his heart towards God, uh, and we talked about why he had, had his heart was hardened towards God. Because why would God put him and his family through this or that? And and I don't have that answer, but I know that God still loves you, and that God still cares. 
Um, I've seen God do some wonderful things as far as providing for Wedgwood as a campus. We, I've watched us go through a lot of times as far as financial stresses and different things. But I, I thank God for our wonderful advancement department that allows me to do some of the things that I do because I'm a part of support services that you cannot charge for, for our per diem here at Wedgwood. And so that's a miracle for me to say that people believe in the mission of what God is doing here, whether that be in the mundane or watching kids going from being anti, I don't want God, to being softened their hearts and saying that they do want God. And also watching kids get, we've even had kids get baptized here and even thinking on some kids now that we're working on that we might do a baptism for. So God's always working. You know, watch him in the small things, but he also does the great things too. I love that. In the big and the small things, that's great. Um, so what brings you joy? Oh, <laughs> what brings me joy? Oh, uh, I'm going to use a phrase, uh, just being able to do what God has called me to do. Uh, walk alongside people, talk with people, to laugh. Um, um, being with kids you know, brings me joy. Um, and uh, just, just life brings me joy because if you, if you were to hear some of my other story, you know, I'm so grateful from where I came from to where God has me now. I, I, I can't complain. You know, I, I have two hands. I can breathe. I can talk. Um, and even if I didn't have those things, I would still find that, God, you're still blessing me. Even, even in the rough times, I'm able to say, God, because uh, joy is not dependent on circumstances and what I have. It's dependent on my sinner. It's dependent on Christ. So there's a song that I love. The song is, Jesus is the center of my joy. So throughout everything that happens in my life, I have this calm assurance that weeping may endure for the night, but God will bring me joy in the morning. So those things, it, joy is that confidence. It's not a feeling. Uh, it is, I, I think, a hope and, and assurance in my faith in God that he has, he has created all things for my good, and those things bring my joy. Joy is confidence. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Pastor Arlen, to share a little bit of your story. We are so grateful you listened to God's call to be here at Wedgwood to empower and spread joy to those who work here and to those who are receiving services. Thank you for all that you do, Pastor okay. Arlen. It is my pleasure and it is my calling. What a blessing it is to have people like Pastor Arlen who have listened to God's calling to love and care for our community. We hope you are encouraged by his words to make a difference in the lives of others. To learn more about how you can be a part of transforming lives at Wedgwood, visit our website. Curious about our services? Visit us at wedgwood.org, W-E-D-G-W-O-O-D, and find us on our social media at WedgwoodCS. Or shoot us an email at hello at wedgwood.org. We would love to be a part of your story. Until next time, these are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations.